Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Hey, this is Derwin Lester from the Blanket Fortress of Solitude. And with me today is Nathan Lukehart. Lukehart, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. I'm glad, glad I can be here. Um, so with yeah. all good stories, let's start off at the beginning. Where are you from? Uh, originally, I'm from, wow, you want to go to like the beginning, beginning? In the beginning. Wow. So in the beginning of time. Many, when God many, created heaven and the earth. Yeah, then he created me. There you and go. I think that's where I came from. <laughs> I was born in Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, grew up in a small reservation town called Kianta for quite a few years. And then moved to uh, off the reservation town. It was still in the middle of nowhere called Page, Arizona. Some people may have heard of Lake Powell. That was my backyard. <laughs> okay so uh did you go straight into the military was there like a college period did you work for a little bit like or- uh so i graduated in 2000 and was that may of 2000 and by july 17th i was on my way to boot camp for the navy in uh great lakes michigan how was Navy boot? I didn't know you were a Navy vet. This is news to me. How was Navy boot camp? Uh, it was pretty tough, honestly. Um, you would think it would be not as tough as like the Army, but it had its its rites of passage, you know. And yeah, dude, a lot of running, a lot of standing at parade rest or attention for you know, four or five hours because the drill sergeants didn't want to deal with us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great learning experience. Uh, beautiful place up there, man. It was, it was gorgeous up there. Talk to me about the rite of passage. You know, the, the shenanigans, I guess, as, as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, barracks ninjas, uh, <laughs> What do we call? Them? We had so we had the we had the blue um, sweat, right? So in the army, you had gray sweats. We had blue sweats, and it had bright emblazoned uh, navy across the chest. So we take them and we turn them inside out, and it had the hood, and we put the hood over our heads, and you tie it and you tie it behind the neck so it was tight. And Ricky Ninja is what we called it. Ricky Ninjas. <laughs> And we would sneak around in the barracks at night and mess with people. Um, <laughs> I was a, a gas turbine systems technician, parentheses mechanical. So I was a jet engine mechanic for ship propulsion. Yeah, that's kind of where I got my uh, mechanical knowledge in life. Um, so I did firefighting, shipboard firefighting, shipboard security. Uh, fueling helicopters. I got to fuel helicopters. I got to fuel the ship. Uh, fuel samples, all sorts of pretty awesome stuff I got to do. 
that sounds really important like that's like a real like nuts and like you're scotty from star trek kind of sort of yeah <laughs> kind of kept the ship going yeah <laughs> and even as an e4 like it was my favorite thing to be was a leader and you know i didn't make it much past e5 i'm still actually in e5 in the reserves I, <laughs> you know uh, I remember when I made E5, and I kept thinking, there's no way this lasts very long. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it can last uh, 10, 15 or so years. <laughs> Once you well, the reserves, they're just like, whatever. I mean, he's not wanted on any felonies. Like <laughs> That they know of, right? That they know of. So you've got your Navy MOS. Where did you go in the Navy? Yep. Did you where did you sail? Anything cool? Any place interesting? Did you fight any oh, Russians? Man, yeah, so uh no, but there were Australians um a few times. Uh so I went got stationed in San Diego, uh two thousand to two thousand four, so my whole four years in the Navy, I was stationed in San Diego and I did two uh, Westpac deployments out of San Diego. So got to hit up Australia on our way over to the uh, Western Pacific theater, went into the Gulf over there, um, the Persian Gulf. So we started out in San Diego, sailed to Australia, landed in Sydney. Yeah. I was like, it's on the, yeah. So we landed in Sydney, sailed around to Adelaide, and then we went to the Gulf from there. The That's Persian really Gulf. cool. Hit a few ports in the Persian Gulf. We did uh, Dar, oh, not Darwin. That was Australia. Um, holy crap! Bahrain went to Bahrain. Where's then, Bahrain at? Bahrain is kind of south of Iraq. Mm-hmm. So it's like an oil that. ridge. It's like an oil ridge, like island city, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely How was that? Uh, we didn't really get to experience the town. Um, the first few days we were there, you got to go out onto the town. But I was on duty because I was a young, a young buck. So, and then by the time we got to go off the ship, they had been restricted to the base, the naval base there, which was cool. I mean, they still had beer and we still got to drink and get completely annihilated and get in a fight with the Marines. (laughs) Someone's got to keep them in line, right? Yeah. And then uh, that's actually my first time in Bahrain was our first time getting in a fight with Australians because well it was interesting uh they they're sore losers at arm wrestling competitions so (laughs) and that's actually what started the fight i managed to keep myself away from the fight smart Uh, yeah i I did not want any part of that i mean getting punched in in the face actually hurts quite a bit so that's what i was gonna say i've been hit in the face it hurts so much it's not fun (laughs) <laughs> and like i don't want fucking chris hemsworth's third cousin hitting me in the grill like, mm. right. 
they're big enough. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of just stood back and pulled my guys out of it before the MP showed up because once they show up, that's when the trouble happens. You know, I mean, so. that's what really matters. Like, that's all first sergeant is going to care about is like, you're not on the blotter for the arrest. Like, that's all that matters. Okay. Bahrain was actually the first place I snuck by a, uh, a checkpoint. So they had the Bahrainian Navy guards guarding our pier. And I had forgotten my ID on the ship. But if you remember back in the day, the IDs used to be green. Yeah. So I pulled I pulled a dollar out of my pocket and I folded it. And I just held it up, and they looked at it as I walked by, and they were like, okay. And I <laughs> wired on by, I went, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Sneaking, Made you feel safe. Super safe, yeah. Once we got back to the ship and got more sober, it was like, all right. I just snuck by the guards with a dollar bill. How many other people can do the same thing, you know? <laughs> and, like, you didn't bribe them. They just no. didn't look. Yeah, they didn't even want my dollar. They're like, oh, okay, American, have a good night. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's got Monopoly money. We have <laughs> oil money. <laughs> right? Like, your dollar's worth nothing here. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was sailing through the Straits of Hormuz. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of those. I have. Kind of scary. Yeah. How so? Uh, well, you're in between Iraq and Iran. Oh, yeah. No, fuck yeah. that. And, and they're all pointing weapons at you as you sail through. So, yeah. You remember a few years ago, those sailors got picked up and they pretty much surrendered their little boat. And yeah. yeah, that's where we were sailing. Fuck so, that. Yeah, it was, it was. And I was right down on top of the fuel tanks in the engine room. At what they called the uh, the main reduction gear, so basically the ship's transmission. So if there was an emergency, I could jump on there and control the speed of the ship. Sitting on top of the fuel tanks was great. You know? <laughs> I, you know, uh, I'm good. You know, that's fine. But, uh, yeah. So two deployments in the Navy. Uh, my first deployment, I was coming back, is September 11th happened. How was that? We're in between and. Uh, Hawaii and San Diego so that was pretty my dad was on the boat we were doing like a tiger cruise back from Hawaii so you gotta have a, a family member on the ship it was pretty neat experience. Okay. that was a that was a day that I'll never forget man I was sitting there on the mess decks watching TV taking a break um, and I was I was thinking what what movie is this oh oh I just sat there watching in awe as the planes hit the towers and yeah and people were coming out saying like are you guys watching the news and i was like this is the news <laughs> no i was like holy sh- i thought this was a movie have you ever made it to the 9-11 memorial in, in new york not city yet. not yet i would like to um my um my wife and I made it there last year in between like shutdowns and waves of the virus and then the flood. Right. So there was like a month yeah. in June in 2021. That was pretty sweet to go. And we get to the nine 11 Memorial and 
if you ever want to have yourself a real good cry, that's where you go. Because, <laughs> oh, man, I'm just walking through. You see pictures of me just covered in tears. Look like someone punched me in the face. There's walls of just dead people. And that shit just goes into forever. It's crazy. I can only imagine the emotion and the energy and you know just the feeling you get there. Man. And what's going to hit you weird when you get there is that there's going to – so for some people going – it's not like for us because we're you know veterans. But for some people going there, it's like going to a museum, right? Yeah. Which – and they just like take pictures like that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, you look like, like, Oh, that's a piece of rubble that somebody burned to death in, but let's get a selfie with it. And I'm like, that feels off. <laughs> get a selfie. Yeah. Like it's, but I mean, it is, it is kind of a museum. You know, there's a lot of people nowadays that weren't alive back then. Yeah. And like, it's not going to, I have this theory that it will hit us more than them because for, I know for me, um, it kind of set my whole life in a trajectory and it was kind of the first battle and the global war on terror, which we're both veterans of. So we kind of, I don't know about you, I shaped my whole adult life and reflection to that one day. So it was kind of like, I feel like I was at a mausoleum. It was very strange and somber. But anyway, sets a lot of sets. Most of my military career in action because um, I was there for shock and awe on the ships, 2003, when they're launching all their missiles. Man, you want to talk about shock and awe? You sitting there on a ship watching that as opposed to watching it on TV and just hundreds of missiles going into the night sky and. You don't. You could literally watch them launch and then run down inside the ship and watch them hit. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was. It was pretty badass. Um, but yeah, so that I got out after that, and then uh, the war really kicked off in Iraq. So that's when I decided. Was this I was after the back. initial invasion in '03? Yeah, yeah. So I got out in 2004, July 2004, and I was back in service. October of 2005 so sure so what brought you to the army <laughs> you want the you want like the army story or do you want like the real story well Lucart this is your story <laughs> so it's kind of a no shit there I was story right yeah so I was watching uh that show over there I don't remember I don't know if yeah. you ever watched that yep Right, and that show had a lot of uh, emotional impact on me, watching those guys, you know, getting blown up and dealing with all the uh, ambushes. And one day I was like, you know what? I need to get back in there and do my part to battle the evils that there is. So I went down to the Navy's office because I was going to go back in the Navy, you know? But uh, they told me I would have had to go into the Navy Reserves, which I didn't even know it existed at the time. No. 24 months uh, there, and then I could put in a request to go back to active duty. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I want to go like yeah, now. That's lame. <laughs> yeah, right? I want to go now. I was actually trying to join the Seabees to do that so I could be on ground. Um, 
so then I went to the Marine Corps office. Uh, apparently they had met their quota for the month because they were out golfing. <laughs> so, so my next move was the Air Force. I walked in the Air Force office and they were like, oh yeah, look at you. You know, and they were like, oh, you got any prior service? And I said, yeah, it was prior service Navy. And they were like, okay, you might want to go across the hall to the Army's office. <laughs> so, you go where the, the trash the goes. The trash yeah. goes to the Army. <laughs> exactly. So across the hall to the Army, I went. And they were like, oh, yeah, we got the perfect thing for you. We can have you basic training within the month. I said, okay. <laughs> So went down. Wasn't that my, a magical time? <laughs> oh, Even with the neck tattoos and everything I got in the Navy, they were, they were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Come on in. Um, so, <laughs> so I went, so I went in, I, in like, I, I signed up in September of 2006, a little bit after you. Okay. And so my recruiter is looking at me and he's like, Hey, have you ever smoked pot? And I was like, "What you mean, like recently?" He's like, "No, have you ever smoked pot?" And then he stamped his foot three times, and I'm like, "Oh no, never." He's like, "That's the answer <laughs> everyone's going to want from you." <laughs> I'm pretty sure I passed a drug test with air quotes. <laughs> oh yeah, was it the dip it in the so, top, yeah. wave it? Yep, you're good. They just threw it. Like I guess he passes. It's stuck against the wall. <laughs> That's what I had, like, when I when I was joining the Army, they were like, all right, you got to do a, a urinalysis. So I went in the bathroom, peed in the cup, and the recruiter literally took the stick, dipped it, was like, yep, you're good, and threw it away. I was like, that's my drug <laughs> test to get in the Army. All right. <laughs> Pretty sure it was a pregnancy test. I don't know. At least I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> anyway. <It> was... <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Yeah, a lot of my basic training platoon in 06, they weren't convicted felons, but it was kind of like just a couple shades below that, right? Where, like, they'd done time. You know, like, if you didn't have active drug warrants out for you, you could enlist. And even if you did, it depends on what state it was in. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I had a guy from Guam that was kind of like that. He was uh he was he was the craziest guy I ever met, man. I'll never forget that guy. I forgot his name already, but I'll never forget him. <laughs> what was he like? Oh, he he was the kind of guy that uh, you seen him walking towards you. He wasn't the biggest guy or you know the, the toughest guy, but if you saw him walking at you, you'd be like, I'm gonna get out of this guy's way. And if you didn't get out of his way, he'd, he'd say, you want me to scramble your eggs, bro? <laughs> and what he meant was he would punch you in the head until your brain was scrambled. <laughs> <laughs> so for our listeners out there, that means he would hit you in the head until you s- suffered a traumatic brain injury yeah, from the, his fist. Yeah. So I, I always took him seriously because – we were walking through the airport and people would look at him funny and he would ask him the same question every time and they would just shake their heads. No, no, don't want that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, I'm pretty sure he was one of those guys that, you know, no active warrants, but he had a history. <laughs> like, like 
you've seen people die before, right? Like you can you can yeah. smell it on people sometimes. I think he may have caused some of those died peoples to be that way. We don't need to know. No, we don't need to know. I like I like. I know I. I some friends of mine in high school, or in high school, but after high school, I knew people that had some activities of questionable legality. We'll say, and then I get to the army in '06, and I'm like, oh, I. I enlisted to get away from these people. We they just gave us all guns and paychecks now. <laughs> like, and we all wear the same clothes. It's like a gang. It's like a gang, right? Some of them were gang members. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've met quite a few of those in the army too. <laughs> I yep. I'm so glad we're talking because like I love talking to like the cause there were a lot of kids that I was an NCO for, right? But they enlisted in like the Obama years when things were different, you know, <laughs> and there yeah. were less convicted felons. Anyway, so let's. Um, so you go to uh, you go to the army. Yeah, they they look at you. They check your pulse. You're in, right? Yeah. What what happens yep. after that? Where do you go? The home of the hard knocks. Somehow, I managed to, I don't want to say weasel my way out, but I got out of every ruck march back from the range, either being on ammo detail or MRE detail or whatever. You know, the drill sergeant, for whatever reason, always called me out. And then, so I didn't have to go up misery. I didn't have to go up, you know, uh, their misery, agony, and I think defeat is the third hill. But literally, you can reach those out. Those are strip clubs outside of Fort Knox, right? Those, yeah, those two. <laughs> no, that's, that's the that's their spouse's name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but those are those are hills in Fort Knox. I I, I just assumed they were strip clubs where people went. <laughs> I think they had more uh, uh, aptly named names like the diamond cabaret and you know (laughs) things that were more attractive the slippery syphilis yes that was actually one of my favorite clubs to go to (laughs) so you too have been to fort bragg (laughs) (laughs) once or twice i've been down that way (laughs) um so i went to fort knox did my training uh basic training which the warrior transition course is what they called it. So mm-hmm. for private service people, I had my cell phone. Uh, it was a pretty easy time. I was a specialist. They had to call me specialist. Um, yeah, imagine that drill sergeant yelling, hey, private, come here. And I'm just walking and he's, you too good for me, private. And he comes <laughs> running up and he's, hey, private, what's your problem? And I was like, oh, I apologize, drill sergeant. I'm a specialist. <laughs> Man, I've never seen the drill sergeant's hat explode off their head, but that's pretty much what happened. Did I, you tell say, them I, that you were fucking there for the invasion of Iraq? I, I was probably in the service before you were a drill sergeant, but you know, <laughs> what do I know? Um, <laughs> I'm glad you're a station at Schofield Barracks, guy, but fuck. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Oh, oh dude. Yeah, that's, that's what back when like drill sergeants used to show up to work drunk and just beat the shit out of people because yep. their wives yep. won't let them talk to their kids. Yep. <laughs> and they literally uh, broke a kid's foot the class before mine, making him run up and down the, sh- the, the stairs in his shower shoes because they oh. caught him showering when he wasn't supposed to shower. So they were smoking him in his underwear. He was running up and down the stairs in his shower shoes, and he broke his foot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was yeah. like, well, I know I'm not going to shower when I'm not supposed to. So lessons <laughs> learned, right? I I mean, I, I we always encourage people to shower, like, as much as whenever you had the chance. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. But there, there was those hours of, like, you're supposed to be cleaning your weapon. Yeah. And not showering, you know, it was it was that time. I I noticed that a lot of because you and I went through ba- army basic around the same time frame. A lot of those guys that were drill sergeants then had just gone through like the first couple of rounds of like knocking over Iraq and Afghanistan, and they were like boots. Yeah, they were kind of fucking crazy, right? Like a little bit, a little <laughs> like, bit. I. We, I was standing at attention at this fucking desk, and there's like a line of guys next to me, and somebody laughs behind me. And oh, so this God. drill sergeant throws his fucking frisbees his head <clears throat> and then screams as he's crawling along the desk, grabs the kid, drags the kid by his fucking like collar. And then we just didn't see that drill sergeant for like six weeks. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sir, so after basic training for the Army, where did you go? What did you do? I uh, went to Fort Bliss for AIT. Okay. Um, Did my 88 mic training down there. And then from there, I went, got stationed in Colorado at uh, Fort Carson here in Colorado, which okay. is currently kind of where I live. Um, So you're in Fort Bliss. With, yeah. What time frame are you talking about at Fort Bliss? Uh, so so Fort Bliss was 05 when I got in. Then I went to Fort Carson. Okay. And then I deployed, oh wow, deployed, deployed to Iraq in early 2006. Okay. So. What part? Uh, we went, actually we were in Baghdad, uh, Fob, Rustamaya, kind of downtown Baghdad. Really? Between, uh, yeah, what, what rivers is that that runs down there? You got the, not, not the Niles in them. The Tigris uh, and the Euphrates? The Euphrates, yeah, right? Yeah, where they kind of meet up. Yeah. Yeah, and so we were right down there. South that's of, a bad part of town and a bad time, right? Yeah, it was horrible. We were uh, just south of that terrible neighborhood. Um, oh, man. That was in Sadr City, was it? Or am I thinking of something different? It was, it was just south of Sadr City. That's what I was thinking of, Sadr City. Yeah. Okay. Actually, one of our, our combat outposts was right on the outside of Sadr City. So That was a rough part. It was like the Wild West out there. Yeah. And that was right when uh, Iran was bringing in EFPs to Iraq. So we got to learn all about EFPs and... That, that's that's Willie P, right? No, that's the expo- explosive form projectiles. 
So is the it, it looks like a cone, like a copper cone, and it's got yeah. the explosive behind it. So when it explodes, that copper cone gets formed into a molten metal penetrator. So actually explosively formed penetrator is what it's called. And it melts right. It cut people in half. Uh, <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. So they have grenades like that. Um, the RPK-13, I think it is. Yeah. Or 14. So that's a, it's like a parachute grenade and it's got a, a shape charge. There you go. It's a shape charge. This you is know what the Iran was smuggling over? Yeah. So Iran was supplying, quote unquote, not supplying the Iraqi bad guys with yeah. EFPs. And you could tell when it was Iraq made or Iran made because Iraq made would stop in the armor. Mm. The armor would actually stop it. But if it was an Iraq or an Iran, Iranian made EFP, it would just ride through it, man. Something um, that really bothered me, right? And this will take it, this is jumping around a little bit. In January of 2020, when the previous administration was nose to nose with the Iranians, and yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, my God, we're going to be at war with Iran. And I'm like, gang, we've been at war with Iran for like 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> like, yeah. Where yeah. have you been? <laughs> Quiet war with Iran, but we've been there. <laughs> I, I, and again, I, I had such a, my experience was nothing compared to yours. I, I was in a, a briefing in Kuwait where they told us how uh, that the Iranians were smuggling in stuff and, and they're just giving this whole like lowdown and everything. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Totally. Um, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. That sounds harsh. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I got to ride around on top of a forklift in the middle of Baghdad city pulling security for the driver. <laughs> In the middle of the night, that was pretty fucking cool, you know. Like, <laughs> who who can oh, say that, is, that sounds fucking awesome? That. <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> okay, so how long were you downrange? So I did fifteen months in Iraq. Uh, we were there through the surge, basically. Okay, and by the time I got to okay. Iraq. Yeah. It had everything had very much calmed down. So I kind of attribute a lot of that to you guys. So I had a nice, boring FOBIT deployment. And because you guys calmed the situation down, right? And I can't thank you enough for giving me the nice. I watched The Simpsons at 1130 in an air conditioned hospital every day. <laughs> oh, that sounds pretty great, man. I remember it took yeah. like five days download a movie over there so <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean you know when i got there they were um, shutting everything down and and yeah, i only yeah. had people like you to thank for calming things down before i got there yeah you know? i don't know how much calming we did but we tried <laughs> well it sure as hell was calm by the time 47 trains got there i know that yeah yeah well i'm glad it was let's man. take it there i don't i don't wish a lot of that uh a lot of the stuff we had to see over there on anybody, you know. I mean, 
Some of it was pretty terrible. Of course. First time I ever saw human brains. That was pretty cool. Wasn't was, American, so that was you know. You didn't know him a little bit. Yeah, no, he was yeah. he was a he was an Iraqi army guy, and you know that, that old term complacency kills, right? Mm-hmm. He was complacent, sitting in his truck on a checkpoint, and the bad guy ran out with an AK and just wasted him. So that sucks. That was a uh, that was interesting to see that truck. It smelled very interesting too. Um, <laughs> Bodies that way some... smelling like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a very unique smell. You'll never forget. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, I hear you, man. So, you get home, then you get to 47 trans with us? So, I was under the impression that I was re-enlisting to go down to the 47th Training Command in Fort Bliss <laughs> to train soldiers on driving and security to go to Iraq or Afghanistan, right? <laughs> So, I love that you're laughing so hard at my misery. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just, I'm like, oh, they fucked him good. Like, they lied. That big green weenie hit me with full force, man. it's, It's kind of like if you both date the same girl. And she's abusive in the exact same way. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, so I'm like, oh, I dated her. So I know I, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. It. Yeah. I think I have a little PTSD from that moment. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I actually... So, okay, we'll fast forward a little, uh, just a second. So when I was a buck sergeant, uh, I had just picked up my stripes. It was like 2013 and I was in the national guard and I was looking at getting out and this specialist who I had spent two weeks, just throwing as much knowledge as I could into said, Sergeant Lester, please stay in. We need good NCOs like you that care about training soldiers. And it just hit all the warm fuzzies, right? And I signed papers, and that son of a bitch got out. (laughs) (laughs) You know what we call that? That's a psyop, man. That's a psychological operation. (laughs) He got you good. I bet he got a bonus. I didn't get dick. (laughs) Yeah. That's ouch. So he kind of got you the same way that he got me. Right? At least we both know you what it's like. <laughs> so yeah, you can imagine my shock when I showed up and it was forty-seven transportation company. I was like, oh, I thought I was supposed to be training people. And they were like, you're an NCO, you'll train people. <laughs> All right. And uh, I don't. When, when did you show up to forty-seven? I was a late deployer. It would have been midsummer oh nine. Okay, yeah. So that was yeah. I spent about nine months downrange with everybody. Yeah. So you were there with uh, Staff Sergeant Clark and those guys. 
Weird um, the medics were kind of actually off by themselves quite a bit. Like we went oh, out yeah, on missions, yeah. but right. for the most part, right. that's right. No, I, I meant when you got to Fort Bliss. Yes, we called him Smoke. I think yeah. right. Smoke. Yep. Yep. That's an that's a great dude right there. I think he became a minister. Actually, he he did. Andy's a a, a CDL instructor. Um, and you know, I've never known a grown man that can make so many other grown men cry without touching them. Yeah, he. Um, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, cry in what way? Uh, like full-on sobbing tears because just from like speaking the word of the Lord. No, no, just breaking down how stupid they were. Oh yeah, that too, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did that to me one time. <laughs> yeah, he was really great about that. He almost did that to me, but I was like, "Roger, Sergeant," and he kind of <laughs> went on my own way. I was like, oh, "That guy's a real jerk." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was great, man. That dude is uh, still one of my great friends. He's a great dude. <clears throat> so then. uh yeah, re-enlisted at Fort Bliss to get out of Fort Bliss and go back to Fort Carson. Went to Fort Carson. Uh, went to 361 Cavalry. Or wait, no. I'm sorry. So 361 Cav is who I was with my first time at Carson. Came back, re-enlisted, went back to Fort Carson, and then I was with uh, 4-4 infantry because they reflagged to a fourth infantry instead of second id or indian head patch um then i was with another fsc company i'm trying to think of you could tell like my my brain from the tbis and stuff is, is it doesn't work very well um mine's the same but it's from recreational <laughs> marijuana usage in my teenage years <laughs> at least you got a cool story about it anyway um, sir so back to your story <laughs> so yeah i was with 167 armor or that's what it was um deployed with them to afghanistan the deserts north of kandahar city so if you look at a map there's literally like the dash two desert which yeah. in in uh farsi means the desert desert so how was that compared to iraq uh it was a whole new world man um didn't have to worry about efps as much had a lot more worries of hme bombs so homemade explosives and yellow jugs and they would just take them out and bury them in the dirt road because everywhere was pretty much dirt roads sure um we had to worry about a lot more far off attacks uh you know they they were a lot better trained than the people in iraq so if we were out sure you know i was I was still at 88 mike then so a lot of my patrols were combat logistic patrols um i was always on security vehicles which was great i love i love being the lead vehicle yeah you know i love making sure that everybody everybody behind me is safe so 
Um, I always had the best crews, man. You know, I had the sharpest guy on the gun, the best shooters on the gun. I had the best drivers behind the wheels. So I think in terms of difference, um, it felt a lot more laid back. In Iraq, we took countless mortar rounds and rocket fire, you know, almost every day. I don't, I couldn't tell you how many times I probably almost died because of indirect fire in Iraq. Um, That was during the surge, right? Like that was, that was, that was intense. Where can you explain kind of a short version of what the surge, except for my listeners, for of what the surge was and like because things were kind of spiraling out of control and they just sent a bunch of people right yeah yeah so they were having a tough time taking you know certain cities or certain parts of cities so the idea was to just overload those tough areas with more troops because more troops equals more combat power equals more houses cleared equals more bad guys dead right which means that makes it a little easier for everybody else afterwards. So sure. they surged in, I don't know, I think it was 7,000 extra troops into Baghdad, you know, and <laughs> they were literally going house to house to house to house in some of these neighborhoods. Um, That's two, three brigades? Like two, uh, three brigade combat teams? I think it was three, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, there was a ton of people, man. You couldn't drive down one street without looking down another street and seeing an operation going on. So that's it was, crazy. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, dude. It was awesome to see the combat powers is amazing. And then Afghanistan, you know, we had combat outposts and we all had our own little area, but it was a lot quieter where we were at. Um, it was nothing like the Kunar Valley or, you know, places like that where, the fight was tough but um you know we get attacked here and there a few times small arms fire i actually never like you know like the the documentary like respeto and and kind Um, of i've never watched those uh, my guy man (laughs) restrepo what's that that was actually if i remember right that was 361 cav no 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 361 cab was the ones that were down in uh that horrible fob that they made the movie of um holy cow they almost got overran by the Taliban I can't remember the name of the movie I couldn't tell you oh I'm gonna have to look it up and tell you now dude um you should it was 2009. And that fob almost got overran down in the Southern Valley down there. I couldn't tell you. I, I remember when we were over there, I had some, uh, my roommate was like, hey, let's watch an Iraq war movie. And I'm like, you know, you just look outside, right? <laughs> like, we're there. <laughs> you want to watch over there, bud? Like, uh... <laughs> I'm trying to watch Star Trek. <laughs> like um anyway so how long were you in afghanistan for so i did 12 months in afghanistan sure um say i wasn't on as edge 
on edge as much as when I came home from Iraq. You know, because like I said, it was a little more laid back. Yeah. Even though we were running constantly running missions, you know, um, constant danger factor. Yeah. I would say it wasn't on par with Iraq because Iraq was just insane, man. Um, yeah. And then Kandahar was not as bad. They they had this thing that always scared the shit out of me where um, the Taliban would shoot trucks driving through the marketplaces with a recoilish rifle. So you like would literally drive by an alley and they would shoot your truck with a recoilish rifle, which I don't know if you know what that is, but that's a pretty dangerous weapon. How so? Uh, usually pretty interesting. Yeah, so coming home uh, was emotional, of course, because I had three kids at the time. <clears throat> so I got to meet my second daughter for the first time in person. Okay. Um, my, my ex-wife had her when I was in Afghanistan, so I got to kind of watch that over the over the video camera, you know. Um, oh, that's so rough, man. Yeah, it was awesome that I could actually watch it. You know, I was thankful for that because had that been, you know, years before in Iraq, it probably wouldn't have happened. Exactly. That's what I always liked about you. You always were a glass half full sort of guy. You know, if your glass is half empty, you're not drinking the right stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Kool-Aid ain't Kool-Aid enough. There you go. Um, so, that's the the year I ate the biggest steak I've ever eaten. Uh, <laughs> my first, my welcome home meal was a 32-ounce ribeye from Texas Roadhouse. Ah. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That's the year I that's found great. out that I trained the people that I was with in 167. I actually trained when I was in second ID to go to Iraq. So when I came home in second ID with 361, I got Mm -hmm. to be like a trainer observer for 167 FSC. Okay. Which is who I came back to when I came back from El Paso, Fort Bliss. Okay, that's pretty so, cool. You got to yeah. kind of come back and just train everybody. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that was a, uh, it was pretty neat, man. And then I got to be like, wow, you guys really sucked before you went to Afghanistan. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what time frame are we in now? So this is 2012, 2013 when I got back. Uh, didn't do a whole lot, you know probably an NTC rotation. Uh, I've got like 10 of those under my belt now. Um, sure. Yeah. Went to JRTC. I learned uh, nothing there. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness to you, you were on the ship that was launching the missiles that started the war. <laughs> And then you went through a rotation of both wars. So, like, yeah. you're there. The guys that are training you read books written by guys that were with you in the surge. You know? <laughs> True. True. That's funny. <laughs> like, Never thought about it that way. Like, 
you know <laughs> that would be funny. like me trying to tell you what combat's like <laughs> <laughs> come on i'm a fun guy i know nothing <laughs> about that um you know, in a real world situation, I'm finding someone like you and I'm saying, hey, Lucard, what do I do? Just like when <laughs> I was a kid and you met me 15 years ago. <laughs> Shut up, return fire. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to stand all the way up? No. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started on that. Um, I had a lieutenant I, in Iraq. We went up on top of a building after somebody had called out a sniper was shooting at our guys in the trucks. So yeah. we went up on top of this building to see if we could get a better vantage point. And this guy walks out standing straight up on top of the building. Oh. oh and we were no. like, sir, you don't want to do that. And he's like, what? I'm like, uh, there's a sniper out here and you're standing up on top of a building oh i bet he had his rank on his helmet and everything didn't he (laughs) no but we did sniper check him a few times (laughs) oh man oh he he had earned a sniper check did did the boys survive he did he did that's good (laughs) Probably because of his NCOs that he had in his platoon. So you know, it looks bad if your LT gets shot for being a dumbass. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, we pulled him down and we're like, pretty much yelling at him, like, "Sniper up here, dude! Like, get down!" You know? And he's like, "Oh yeah, oh I didn't think about that." Like, oh my god. Anyway, so 2013. Uh, up here in Fort Carson, my unit ended up deploying again, but I was going to ETS while they were deployed. So I got out of that deployment, was on rear D, um, got out off active duty in 2014, went into the reserves and been in the reserves ever since. Been to a few cool places, uh, yeah. seen a few cool things and yeah, very cool. It, <laughs> so you you worked as a civilian truck driver for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so from 2015 to well, 2014 to recently, pretty much was a truck driver. Okay. Well, let me ask you first, and then we'll get into that in a second. So I don't know if you remember, but back in March of 2020, a little thing happened. How'd that guy? Yeah. How'd that go for you guys out there? Um, didn't really affect us a whole lot doing local deliveries and stuff. Yeah. Um, like, everything's a low populated area where you live, right? It's not a lot of people. No, no, we're, uh, we're a pretty decent sized city. Yeah. Probably half a million or so. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, but. Denver's north of us, so they were freaking out in Denver. Sure. Um, basically, they, you know, just wear your masks, do your thing. So being a local delivery yeah. guy, we had to go to deliveries. You know, you can't stop delivering stuff just because 
there's a sickness out there. I mean, I, so. I, I lived off of delivery for like 18 months. I get it. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, like, me, the wife's a teacher and she was teaching virtually for a long time. So yeah. I was working from home and she was working from home and we we're like, Oh shit. DoorDash makes it happen. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, so, I mean, it, it wasn't bad, you know, I think I had COVID and, uh, February of 2020. So, oh, like the OG version. Kind of emerging, I I got pretty sick. All of the symptoms that they were saying, you know. So, but I kept on yeah. working during that time. So I probably spread it to countless thousands of people. <laughs> wow! I didn't know. Hey, me. Like, oh, it's a cold. I'm out. You know, <laughs> gotta work. <laughs> I, let's be honest. Back then, nobody. I mean, Congress was busy insider trading instead of getting everyone yeah. ready for what's happening. So <laughs> nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Congress doesn't inside trade. Come on now. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's not get self, self-murdered here. <laughs> it's the only reason to join Congress. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll do. No, <laughs> I'd vote. I'd vote for you. Also, my podcast isn't big enough to be. I'm not Joe Rogan by any stretch, so I'm not big enough to. Anthony Fauci's not tweeting at me anytime soon, <laughs> <laughs> which is stupid. But, well, I'm not getting any invites from Joe Rogan, so. Yeah, well, you know, there you go. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta where fulfill you your dance card. What's that? Said so you gotta take it where you can get it. I was going to say, you got to fill your dance card where you can. Yes, sir. Um, okay. So, well, that's good. Everyone's good. No one got hit by COVID too hard in your area. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people did, but my family was pretty fortunate coming through it. Um, we live with my wife's grandpa, um, kind of helped take care of the house and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And... He actually, before I got sick in February, had something that put him in a hospital for a while. And we kind of think that was probably COVID in the early days because they couldn't figure out what it was. Um, And then he got out of that. So, you know, we got him vaccinated. Most recently, I think a couple, what, month and a half ago, we caught the Omicron, Omicron variant. And we had to go uh, isolate ourselves in a hotel for a week. So we didn't spread it down to anybody, you know, so. Sure. So we've, uh, you know, we, we take the precautions. Um, yeah. Let it run its course, you know, and yeah. we got it. Luckily, we came out on the other side just fine, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, um, thank the good Lord on that. Exactly. I, everybody on my end that I know uh, is good. Um, I have some family members that are over 60 and morbidly obese with prior heart attacks and strokes. And I'm like, oh, I'll just avoid you for two years. That's cool. <laughs> right. like, just lock yourself in the house. Yeah, man. Maybe like eat a salad. <laughs> That's a huge thing. Like One of my biggest things. Um, so I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I went to personal training school and 2017 2018 somewhere around there please do um, 
yeah, so I, I went to 10 months of personal training school from 2017 to 2018. So I'm not a certified personal trainer because they actually shut the school down before I got my certificate. So well, I got good. 10 months of free training out of it. So that's oh. good. Well, there you go. They had to pay the uh, they had to pay the VA back the money that it cost me to go to the school. So I'm pretty big in fitness and nutrition, you know. So eating healthy and drinking a lot of water. Drinking water is super important. Um, and that is that is a big issue with uh, COVID, right? Because uh, in the words of the philosopher king Tim Dillon, there's a lot of fatty boom baddies uh, in oh, America. Yeah. Oh yeah. Myself included, right? Like I, I take no exception to anything. So, uh, but I, I, I don't know. Like I started doing like push-ups just to like because I kept hearing about fatties that would like exhaust their intercostal muscles, right? Yeah, the ones that you used to breathe, and then they just that's when they get to the, to the ventilator. <clears throat> so I'm like, oh, if I do push-ups and I start coughing a bunch, then I won't die on a ventilator, right? <laughs> like. Because like I know me, and in the in the movie of like the great horror movie of life, I'm like the yeah. funny fat guy. So I'll die right. third after the black dude and the blonde cheerleader. It's me. <laughs> we don't want that, man. We don't want that. You know, um, like I'm I'm like successful now. Kind, I'm not okay. I'm not a loser anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm married with a wife and a house and everything. So I'm like, oh, I just got my life together. Like I got married four months before the shutdown in 2020. So, oh, wow. <laughs> and then I'm like, and then I'm watching the news and I'm like, oh, it's Thunderdome. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's going down. <laughs> like, oh, this is the stand. <laughs> it we wasn't, but thought it was the end, but it looked for like five. I always tell people for like five minutes, it looked like the stand maybe, but anyway. yeah. So you have worked in logistics for yep. years. Years, yeah. Yeah, you could say that. And I'd love to get your opinion on this because I had a truck okay. driver on previously who uh, addressed it a little bit, and that, but that was from a few months ago. Um, we, we are currently having a fun uh, uh, logistics nightmare on yes. a global scale. Probably the worst disruption since the Second World War. Of everything. Mm. What are your general thoughts on it? Do you have any, you know, you you probably know a lot more about it than I do, just given your familiarity with the industry. Well, I think um, a lot of the old truckers have taken this opportunity to retire. Sure. Because, I mean, pretty much the entire shipping market crashed and it's, not looking good you know so yeah. you get a lot of the, a lot of the old timers and a lot of the owner operators have moved on from from driving truck you know because sure so a lot of them took that opportunity to retire they sold their businesses and, and took that money and went out and you know maybe a lot of them probably invested in uh bitcoin <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. I mean, that was quite a thing for a while. Um, I don't understand it either. <laughs> the Bitcoin. But yeah, I mean, there wasn't work, you know, and when, yeah. when they couldn't ship anything, what option did they have? You know, they had to go out and find other work. They had to go yeah. out and sell their trucks and support their families. So. Sure, sure. <clears throat> now it's 
trying to play catch up and I there's a lot of money to be made as a as a as a driver out there, you know, if you got a truck and a trailer and you're willing to to move freight, man, there's a lot of money to be made, but you have to also be willing to make the sacrifice of you know, wearing a mask or getting a vaccine, you know, sure. basically what it boils down to. Freedom of choice. That's that's what it boils down to. And that probably what it boils down to for ninety eight percent of the truck drivers out there that are are doing these uh freedom convoys, you know. That's why it's called the freedom convoy. They're not anti vaxxers, you know. Those dudes get flu shots every year. They get their tuberculosis shots, you know. I get all that stuff every year. But to me, my freedom to choose something like mm-hmm. that is more important than anything else. Now, yeah. something – it's funny. During when the pandemic started, I was pretty conservative. And now I'm probably something closer to, like, a pro-life socialist, if that's a thing. <laughs> but as I kind of examine the left's philosophical viewpoints, I notice – I mean, like both sides do this, but they, in particular with certain, they'll take a good idea and they'll like yeah. find religion with it and kind yeah. of institute a, the- a theocratic sort of mindset with it sometimes, right? Which yeah. I think comes from a lot of fear. A lot of people were, a lot of people were terrified. I know I was, I was terrified. Fear until, <laughs> until I got my second shot, I was pretty yeah. scared. You know, if I'm, if I'm just right. being honest here. And um, so I can understand that, but also like with what the Canadians are doing with like mm. targeting people's bank accounts and then like the people donating to the GoFundMes they're targeting. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you guys are taking like vaccines are good, sort of the weird authoritarianism, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> I am not a fan of authoritarianism. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. still and being so, in the military is still kind of weird, right? Well, I mean, no, because you know the civilian world is very strange. Yeah. And, it's the thing I liked about the military and kind of what I like to do with this show is find different like viewpoints and, you know, hear someone who thinks different than I do and kind of figure out where I can find common ground with them. And because you had to do that in the military. And like when I was dog, yeah. right. Like I had to, you know, I didn't get, you know, like you, you you just had to do it, right? Like, like when you're doc, you had to be available to anybody at all times, regardless yeah. if you knew them or not. Um, oh yeah. But anyway, I think we'll wrap up there. And yeah, man. so hey, uh, taxation is theft, libertarian forever. <laughs> so I just want uh, I got my gay friends to be able to smoke weed and shoot guns. <laughs> real, real quick i have one question that i ask all fathers that i know and what's your favorite part about being a dad oh my goodness um just seeing my kids grow really into to people you know 
Yeah. Watching them learn and and do things on their own and teaching them as they go and uh, being there to catch them, so to say, when they fall. Sometimes literally, sometimes <laughs> you know, figuratively speaking. Um, you know, and 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 watching them be genuinely good people is probably the most rewarding thing that I could say as a as a father. They're not little shits. <laughs> <laughs> because they start out as like a potato, right? A yeah. potato that poops and screams, right? Yep. Yep. And sometimes throws up on you. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. Well, I think we'll wrap up there, sir. I want to thank you for your service to the country. I want to thank you for being like a con- constant presence in like the first 15 years of the war on terror. I want to thank you for helping keep the country together during COVID just by delivering shit. And thanks for being a good dad. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you doing what you did being a, a doc. Docs are super important people, man. And uh, I appreciate your service to your country, our country. And appreciate you having me on your show, man. It's truly an honor to be here. It was a pleasure.